0: Greetings, everyone. In the year 1789, when the government of the United States began to operate under the newly adopted constitution, there have been periodic elections to select a president as head of the executive branch on the federal uh, level of the government and representatives to serve in the legislative branch. Political parties emerged led by influential politicians implied in this system of government is an appeal by the various office holders or would be office holders to follow me. Those chosen to office, write the laws, set the policies, and administer the government in line with their ideas of how the nation should be governed Fortunately, the framers of the Constitution had the wisdom to limit the powers of government, ostensibly guaranteeing certain rights to the citizens that the government could not impinge on, such as freedom of speech, freedom of worship, and so forth. At times, those rights have been respected. On other occasions, they have been violated. Under slavery, for example, those enslaved had no rights to speak of And since slavery was outlawed, however, after the Civil War or toward the end of the Civil War, theoretically, everyone was to have equal rights under the law, including individual freedoms recognized by the Constitution. Today, we live in a time when those who wield power over the country seek more and more aggressively to impose their views on its citizens with or against their will freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and other individual rights have rarely been less secure on a national scale in the United States than they are today because of the leaders, the people, at least many of the people have chosen to follow. Human beings are by nature social creatures. In any organized, organized society, there have to be leaders There have to be those who follow. Most of us function in some way as leaders in certain situations and as followers in other uh, circumstances. But we all make choices in who to follow, or whom we follow, I should say, would be more grammatically correct. But we make choices in whom to follow and what to follow. The leader or leaders you choose to follow can have far-reaching consequences on your own welfare as the leaders of the nations. The leader of this nation or any other nation, the leaders it chooses to follow will, to a large extent, determine what happens in the country. So whom should you follow? Whom should you follow? The Bible has a lot to say about leading and following, and the Bible is very specific in telling us whom to follow. The Bible says we are to follow God, and any other choices about this question of whom to follow are subordinate to that choice. In other words, we put God first before any, any other obligation. Either we are following God or we are not, and the choices we make determine the answer to that question. The title of this sermon is Follow God and we will explore what the Bible has to say about this subject. Human beings in some ways are like sheep. Humans have an inborn inborn herd instinct somewhat like sheep, but we also have minds to think with. We are given responsibilities and decisions to make and how we will behave. Even so, human beings often follow a certain path simply because other people are going along in that path. Not unlike sheep in some respects. Peer pressure, societal pressure, not infrequently is decisive in determining human behavior, the choices they make in whom or what to follow. Yet the excuse everybody's doing it is no excuse as far as God is concerned. And when following a crowd leads to to disaster, the fact that everyone did it won't save you. As I mentioned, people are in some ways like sheep. Indeed, the Bible often uses sheep as a metaphor for people or for human beings. And sheep need a shepherd. A shepherd who will lead them in the right path. Because without a faithful shepherd, sheep tend to wander away to get lost, to fall prey to predators. Even when they have been led to a green pasture and good water, they will tend to wander away if not guided by a shepherd. In an article I read about sheep, is related to a case where evidently the shepherds were inattentive and one of the sheep wandered over to a cliff being followed by other sheep The lead sheep walked over the cliff and fell 15 meters to his death or her death, whichever it was. The others followed 1,500 in all. And many of them, almost a third of them, were killed because they were simply following the leader or following the crowd. While we humans are likened in the Bible to sheep, we are given warning that we are not to blindly follow other human beings. We are forbidden by God to just follow the crowd in a path of destruction. In Exodus 23 and verse 2, Exodus 23 and verse 2 it says, you, not, "You shall not follow a crowd to do evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice." So. In other words, we're not supposed to just look around and see what other people are doing and follow whatever it is they're doing. We're not to be guided by that uh, criteria. And the Bible lays out specific criteria that are to guide our conduct and behavior. In Matthew 16, Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples and hence to us, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Follow me, said Jesus. In effect, God said the same thing to Israel in the wilderness. God entered into a covenant with the people of Israel in which they agreed to follow him, that is to obey his laws, and in turn they would be blessed But it wasn't long after they entered into that agreement that they wandered off the path. Moses was called up into the mountain shortly after this agreement was made to receive the instructions, the laws, that God had prepared for Israel to follow. And so we read in Exodus 32, beginning with verse 1, Exodus 32 and verse 1, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, let us make gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Well, this was extremely short-sighted and rather ridiculous, actually, because to begin with, God had revealed himself to them. It was God who brought them out of Egypt, not Moses. God used Moses as a leader, but he's, he's... he was only an instrument in God's hands being used in certain respects, but the one who, God, uh, who brought them out of Egypt was God, not Moses. And uh, had it been up to Moses alone, they never would have left Egypt. They, they still would have been slaves. And also God had just spoken to them, from Mount Sinai with his own voice and said, you shall not worship any other gods other than me. But here it was a few days later, and this is what they were doing. So in verse 6 of Exodus 32, verse 6, it says, then they rose early on the next day, offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. This was after Aaron had fashioned an idol for them to worship. And the Lord said to Moses, Go get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Now, some people say sheep are dumb, and uh, actually they're not really that dumb sometimes they act dumb like for example walking off the side of a cliff because (laughs) the guy in front of them did but but this was just about as dumb as any sheep or dumber that just made this idol out of physical materials and then they said this is the God that brought us out of Egypt and that's pretty dumb God was ready at that time to destroy the nation but Moses appealed to him and God relented But even so, thousands were punished with death that day for their rebellion. Aaron, Moses' brother, who was in a leadership position, was weak. He did not have the fortitude at that time to take a stand against the mob spirit of rebellion which had spread among the congregation. And he simply followed the mob to do evil. All too often, those who are supposed to be leaders, those with some office or title, or more, are more followers than they are leaders, as was Aaron in this situation. Some ministers, for example, are people pleasers, and often are more interested in pleasing people than pleasing God. So what they teach is what they think will be pleasing and popular with the people. Actually, most ministers and most churches that call themselves Christian are like that. They, may attract large followings, they may have huge congregations, but they're false shepherds and they really are tools of Satan and wolves in sheep's clothing. Those willing to teach and follow the right path, that is those ministers who are willing to teach and follow the right path, those willing to truly follow God are few and far between. Jesus said, beginning with verse 13 of Matthew 7, Matthew 7, verse 13, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Very few in this age who find that narrow gate difficult path that leads to life. Jesus went on to say in this context, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 14, 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 14, we read, Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. Joshua was a faithful follower of God. He was up on the mountain when the people persuaded Aaron to make an idol to worship. Later, Joshua was sent along with others to survey the land God was leading the Israelites to, the inheritance that they were to receive, and there were 12 of them who went, but only Joshua and Caleb brought back a positive report. The others lacked faith that God could give them the land that he had promised them, and their report discouraged the people and caused them to rebel once again against God, and they refused to do what God had told them to go into the land and occupy it. Moses reminded the Israelites of this 40 years later as they were about to enter the land The nation had been punished for their disobedience and lack of faith by wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. All of that generation that came out of Egypt died in the wilderness except Joshua and Caleb. We read in Deuteronomy 1, beginning with verse 32, Deuteronomy 1 and verse 32, Yet for all that, Moses is speaking to the people, You did not believe the Lord your God who went in the way before you to search out a place for you to pitch your tents to show you the way you should go in the fire by night and in the cloud by day. And the Lord heard the sound of your words and he was angry and he took an oath saying surely not one of these men, one of this evil generation shall see that good land of which I swore to give to your fathers except Caleb the son of Jephunneh, he shall see it, and to him and his children I am giving the land on which he walked because he wholly followed the Lord. Notice Caleb survived and he went into the land, was given his inheritance because he wholly followed the Lord. He wholly followed God, the true God. And Moses went on to say, the Lord was also angry with me for your sake, saying, even you shall not go in there. But speaking of Moses, Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall go in there. Encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit it. So out of that entire generation, only two men, and presumably their families, Joshua and Caleb, were allowed to go into the land. Often, as you read through the Bible, you find that when there are were strong and faithful leaders who followed God, the people followed along with them. But as soon as a weak or a corrupt leader came along, the people—that is, most of the people, at least—turned to idols. So we read in Judges chapter 2, Judges 2, beginning with verse 7. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days, Joshua was, was a, a, a very uh, faithful leader, as I mentioned earlier, and he was a very effective leader. And it says, The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which he had done for Israel. there would be some of them both before they entered the land and some of them after they came into the land. Now, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord died and when he was 110 years old, and they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath Hares in the mountains of Ephraim on the north side of Mount Gaash When all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord nor the work which he had done for Israel. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals or the Baals. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they followed other gods from among the gods of the people. Who were all around them, and they bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and the asterisks, and the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. So he delivered them into the hands of plunderers who despoiled them. And he sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for calamity, as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn to them. God had warned them, this is what would happen if you forsake me. And they were greatly distressed, nevertheless the Lord raised up judges who delivered them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but they played the harlot with other gods and bowed down to them they turned quickly from the way in which their fathers walked and obeying the commandments of the Lord, they did not do so. And when the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of the enemies of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who oppressed them and harassed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they reverted and behaved more corruptly than their fathers by following other gods to serve them and bow down to them. So it appears that each generation got worse as time went on after maybe a short period of reform. They did not cease from their own doings nor from their stubborn way. Then the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he said, because this nation has transgressed my covenant which I commanded to their fathers and has not heeded my voice, I also will no longer drive out before them any of the nations which Joshua left when he died, so that through them I may test Israel whether they will keep the ways of the Lord to walk in them as their fathers kept them or not. Therefore the Lord left those nations without driving them out immediately, nor did he deliver them into the hand of Joshua. So that was the story of Israel for several hundred years, how they kept forsaking God Occasionally, a a righteous leader would come along, or at least somewhat righteous, and there would be a a, a short-lived reform of sorts, and then they would fall right back into the same pattern of disbelief and disobedience and idolatry. Years ago, the Worldwide Church of God had grown to include nearly 150,000 members and millions of others who read the church's magazine called The Plain Truth. The church's leader, Herbert Armstrong, died, and within a few years, the corrupt leaders who succeeded him had cast off many of the biblically sound teachings of the church and replaced them with false teachings, teachings more popular with the world and like the world's teachings. Some 90% of the members of that church followed along with the corruption and abandoned the true worship they had ostensibly committed themselves to. This happened very quickly. Mr. Armstrong probably would not have been surprised at this. Following is a commentary about this that I received by email years ago. It was written dated March 21, 1996, written by a man named Ken Burrell. And here's what he said in this email. The following is an excerpt from a sermon H.W.A. gave sometime in the early 1960s while doing a series on the World Tomorrow radio program on the book of Hebrews. It touches on the subject of apostasy within the church and why it happens and what we should do about it, food for thought. This is verbatim from the audio tape. And then he quotes from this tape of a radio broadcast done by Mr. Armstrong in the early 60s. And so Mr. Armstrong said in this uh, program, next I wanted you to turn over here to Exodus 32 now, the first four verses. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, now this is after the old covenant had been made, and Moses is up getting some of the laws from God on the mount. He was up there forty days and forty nights. And what did the people do while Moses away from uh, while Moses was away from them forty days? Just let God send a leader. People will follow the leader. They want to follow a man instead of following God. And they'll follow the man. And if a man is a man of God, they're following God because they follow the man. But just let that man go away about 40 days and the people forget all about him. And they get back into their own ways again. My friends, most of you are like that. That's human nature. And my friends, listen. That's the thing you were put on this earth to overcome. That's the thing you were put here to eradicate out of your nature. Why don't you begin to really follow God? Now Moses delayed to come down. Yes, God kept him up there for 40 days. Then the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said to him, let it, uh, Up, let us make gods. Make some idol gods, in other words. Make us gods, which shall go before us. But as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. You know, my friends, in my personal experience, I've learned that's exactly the way people will act. I've had a little flock that that had been raised up. People had been brought to God, which God had brought to them through my efforts. I hadn't done it. God had done it, but he had used me but the people looked to me. And as soon as the work began to expand and I was taken to Hollywood and New York and Chicago and different places in order to get the work of God going on radio stations, coast to coast and all over the nation, I only needed to be gone about 40 days. And the people say, oh, for this, as for this Herbert Armstrong, we what not what has become of him. Let us go off into some other doctrines and let's get off into other, let's throw away this truth. I've seen it happen. What kind of human beings are we anyhow? And I found out they'd only been looking to a man in the first place. My friends, I'm not trying to get you to look at me. I'm trying to get you to look at Jesus Christ. He's your savior, he's on the throne of grace and he's there night and day and you can go direct to him anytime. Don't you know that? He is there. I'm merely just another human being to sort of help you a little. That's all. But God is the one that does it. I haven't any power. I have a little faith, and God has given me faith, and I know he hears. So that's the end of the quotation from the program by Mr. Armstrong. Ken Burrell comments, as follows. It makes you wonder about those who take Paul's statement, follow me as I follow Christ, as if it meant follow me instead of follow Christ, or who boast I am Jesus Christ man, or I am a Jesus Christ man, directing the attention to themselves. Those who criticize HWA for teaching a gospel about himself never got the message. The message has always been the same don't believe me, believe your Bible. And yet I have actually heard WCG ministers say that it only applies, applied to unconverted people. In other words, the statement, don't believe me, believe your Bible, that only applies to unconverted people. I've heard the same thing from ministers in the the Worldwide Church of God, and other churches for that matter. It seems that after all, they were truly only following God because they followed a man. I think I understand now why so many have accepted the new WCG doctrines without so much as cracking open a Bible after years and years of professing another doctrinal stance. That's the end of Ken Burrell's comments. So, yes, there have been ministers in the church, in the church of God, who claim that certain laws and principles apply only to unconverted people. Now, I might ask, why would the admonition, don't believe me, believe your Bible, apply only to unconverted people who, by the very fact that they aren't converted, don't believe the Bible, as opposed to those who claim to be converted, who thus ostensibly do believe the Bible? So, in other words, God is telling people who don't believe the Bible to believe it, but people who supposedly do believe it, it's okay if they don't believe it. Makes sense, doesn't it? (laughs) The fact is God's Word applies to everyone, and it especially applies to those who are part of God's church. If we don't believe the Bible, and if we are not really following the Bible, But simply following the dictates of men, apart from the Bible, we aren't really following God. And any claim to be converted is hollow. If you're not following the Bible, you're not converted. And if you're just following men, you're not converted. As we read before in Matthew 16, verse 24, Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. He said, follow me. And this is repeated a number of times in the scriptures in various ways. But Jesus also appointed shepherds to assist him in taking care of the sheep, just as Joshua was appointed to assist Moses in the wilderness. And for that matter, Moses himself assisted God in taking care of the congregation. Paul was appointed as an apostle to take the gospel to the world and to administer churches under his supervision. And then others were also appointed as helpers to shepherd the flock. And an organization was developed with various levels of responsibility and, and various men appointed as shepherds and others given various responsibilities. Paul spoke to a group of The ministers who had been appointed in the church as shepherds, he spoke to a group of them at Miletus, which is near the coast in Asia Minor, as he was on his way to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. And he said to them in Acts 20, beginning verse 26, he said, Acts 20 and verse 26, therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Now notice what it was that Paul said cleared him from any guilt regarding men's lives taken because they were rebellious against God. He said, because I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves." So Paul warned this group of ministers that there would be people coming in who would, as he put it, be savage wolves and attempt to destroy the flock. And among they themselves, there would be those rising up, speaking perverse things, speaking things that are contrary to the scriptures to draw away disciples after themselves In another analogy, Jesus likened himself to the door to the sheepfold. The sheepfold is an enclosure where the sheep were cared for. And in John 10 and verse 1, John 10 and verse 1, Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber, but he who enters the door... By the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And that's, that's uh, literally true. That's how... Sheep behave, they do not respond well to strangers. They fear them. But once they get used to the voice of a caretaker, a, a shepherd, then they will follow his voice. It goes on to say Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most sure, assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. In other words, if we're going to be truly in God's church, truly converted, we can only enter one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. There isn't any other door, just him. Jesus went on to explain further, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a harling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees So the voice that we are to hear ultimately is the voice of Jesus Christ, of God. It's his word that we're to follow. God has given us clear instructions in his word as to what we're to do and he has told us to follow him and his instructions. We are to do the will of God as expressed in his word as it's properly understood. And there are some things difficult to understand that have to be explained, but they don't need to be explained away. They just need to be explained. Ministers who claim to be ministers of God are required to faithfully teach God's word. That's what they're to teach, God's word, not their own ideas or their own philosophies or their own opinions. So the ministers who claim to be ministers of God are required to teach God's word but it's up to us, each of us, to put any such person to the test. John wrote in 1 John 4 and verse one, John 4 and verse one, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Notice what he said, he said, because many, not a few, but many, False prophets have gone out into the world. These are ministers who teach contrary to God's word, who teach doctrines that are alien to the word of God. And that's how you find out who's telling the truth. And yes, they'll quote the Bible, but many of the things they teach are contrary to a proper understanding of Scripture and contradict the Scriptures in many respects, and they twist the scriptures to deceive people, as, as Peter warned about. In Jeremiah 29 and verse 8, Jeremiah 29 verse 8 says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you cause to be dreamed. I've heard people say, well, I dreamed this and such and so on and so forth. And that's what guides them is their dreams. Or others are guided by what the religious leaders say. But these things are deceptive. God went on to say through Jeremiah, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. Yes, using God's name. Using the name of Yahweh. Using the name of Jesus Christ. They prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. In Proverbs 14, verse 15, Proverbs 14, verse 15 it says, The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. You shouldn't just believe every word of anybody without thinking it through carefully and doing the best you can to prove it for yourself that what has been said is the truth. And I might say that in the world today, there's very little truth that's being told. Most everything you hear publicly taught on the news media, in the news media, by government, by religious leaders, the vast majority of it is false or twisted in some way. So we can't afford to be simple-minded and just believe every word. We need to consider where our steps are leading. Deuteronomy 13, Deuteronomy 13, verse 1, we're warned about this. says, if there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you. Now, the Bible talks about religious leaders performing lying wonders, miracles, which are used to deceive the simple, used to deceive those people who are not sure what God's Word teaches and what following God actually means. It says, uh, he gives you a sign or a wonder, And the sign or the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you saying, let us go after other gods which you have not known and let us serve them. Now, a lot of these people are not stupid enough to say let us go worship some other god other than the one you've been worshiping if it happens to be Jesus Christ. They may not say that explicitly but if they are teaching you to do things that are contrary to God's Word, that is, in effect, what they are doing. Because if you worship God, you will do what God tells you to do, not what God tells you not to do. So there are all kinds of ministers and churches who are telling people that it's okay to do this, that, and something else that is contrary to the Word of God. And they're essentially telling you to serve other gods. Now, there are people actually in the world today who who claim to be christian represent christian churches who in fact are leading people to explicitly worship other gods female deities and and uh, various other idolatrous gods that are that have some other name and and this is happening more and more as we descend into utter chaos and and uh, confusion in this world but it says if someone says let us worship other gods which you have not known and serve them you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God and with all your heart and with all your soul and so here's the bottom line as we conclude this passage of Scripture You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him and keep His commandments and obey His voice and you shall serve Him and hold fast to Him.